Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Thank you so much for choosing to join us online this morning. We're honored to be invited into your living room, into your household, into your office. Thank you for uh, for having us this morning. We're so excited to continue to explore the way of Jesus. Absolutely. And we're also meeting in person for those of you who'd like to join us at the Vine Church in Pasco on Sundays at 10 a.m. In fact, this morning, our service is a little bit different. We've invited our dear friend, Lynn Jones, to tell the Pentecost story, um, especially to our kids, but to all of us. And so we're excited to hear from her this morning. So we have been in a series on the mission of God and exploring uh, through the scope of the biblical narrative, this common thread that is a God in pursuit of uh, walking with humanity. And so post-fall, post-Genesis chapter 3, we read of a God uh, on mission, a God seeking to restore healing, uh, bring about reconciliation and new hope in this world for all of humanity. And today on Pentecost Sunday, we're going to go ahead and look at the scope of the biblical narrative as it pertains to the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to start right from the very beginning, Genesis 1. I'd like to read for us Genesis 1, verse 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So the biblical narrative of creation answers the question, who created? And from the beginning, it says that God created and it describes the earth as formless and empty and there was darkness. And yet the Spirit of God drew near, hovering over the water, the spirit of God, the creative, life-giving, sustaining presence of God drew near and moved over the waters. Yeah, there's some interesting language in this creation account in that, those first couple of verses. Um, it speaks of the darkness, and often that will speak of evil uh, in Israel's writings or in biblical text. But in this case, maybe it's just the discord. I don't know. Uh, but then it speaks of the waters, and often the sea or um, uh, the, the bodies of water are referred to in the context of like chaos in the world in Old Testament narrative. And so it speaks of this discord and this chaos that existed in the world. And yet the spirit of God is hovering over all of that, not far from it, even prior to creation. And this is really interesting language to me. You know, I think of our kids and in, um, especially as they were younger, in the moment of like a temper tantrum. Uh, or, <laughs> we had a lot of those. <laughs> we didn't have a, that many of those. Or like they've scraped their knee, they've gotten hurt or something like that. And that moment where you just have to hold them tight while they mm. while they cry or they yell. And I almost get a glimpse of that in the story of creation, the discord, the chaos, and yet God's spirit hovers right there. The presence of God. That's a beautiful image. Further on in the biblical narrative, we see the spirit of God empowering individuals for specific tasks. We see the Spirit of God empowering the leaders of Israel, people like Moses and the elders of Israel. Um, the Spirit of God empowered them to share the weight of leadership. The judges of Israel, people like Gideon and Samson, the Spirit of God came upon them and empowered them to do the things that they needed to do at that time. King David, the Spirit of God spoke through him. He wrote many of the Psalms. 
We also see the spirit of God empowering uh, the prophets, people whom God wanted to speak through. And so God would give them visions or messages to speak to his people. One example, maybe a little bit less familiar to us, was the case of Bezalel and others like him. He was a worker, a skilled worker when they were building the tabernacle. And uh, Exodus 31, I want to read it for us, starting in verse 3. This is what God said to Moses. I have filled him, Bezalel, I have filled him with the spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for working gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Does this say that the Holy Spirit was poured out in power on this man so that he could craft? Yes, I love it. Crafting, (laughs) a gift of the Spirit. But we see how the Spirit of God um, fills, empowers people for specific tasks and and it includes, it can include crafting, creative, creativity, and building, and those kinds of things. It's really right. interesting, because when we think of the Holy Spirit today, we probably think of the big miraculous ideas. But even in the Old Testament, as we read through the Holy Spirit working in individuals' lives to accomplish individual things, we read of such an array of yes. different ways in which mm-hmm. God is engaging in the lives of his people. So that's good. Uh, as the story continues, as the biblical narrative continues, Jesus comes on scene, and at some 30 years old, he's going to step into his public ministry role, and he goes to a man named John the Baptist out in the desert who's baptizing people. Uh, baptism, water baptism, uh, is uh, maybe familiar to you, something we still practice today, this beautiful practice of being immersed, washing away the old and rising out of the water to new life, uh, beautiful, beautiful concept and illustration. So water baptism, Jesus goes out to be baptized by John, and John says, hold on, uh, <laughs> I don't baptize you, you should be baptizing me, because he knows who Jesus is. But Jesus says, no, no, this seems right to me. Let's let's go about this. And here's what it says in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And so we witness in this moment uh, of Jesus' baptism, uh, again, the special outpouring, the Holy Spirit showing up in this moment and acknowledging who Jesus is uh, and enlightening uh, those spectating. This is my son. The Holy Spirit arrives in this moment. And he would go on to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. I love that. Uh, Later on in Jesus's ministry, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit to his disciples. In John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. I love that title, the Spirit Mm. of Truth. And then in verse 26 of that same chapter, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. 
So as Jesus knows what's coming, as he's preparing his disciples for for when he ascends, um, he says, God's not abandoning you. I'm not abandoning you. The Holy Spirit will come and dwell within you, will be near you. God, the presence of God will be with you to help you, to teach you, to remind you of what I've been teaching you, to lead you forward. So not only does... Jesus like comfort them with this idea that the Holy Spirit is coming. In John chapter 16, he takes it a step further. He says, but very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus takes this major leap now saying, it is in fact good that I leave in this time so that the Holy Spirit will come in your lives. Now, this is either an insane thing to say, uh, Jesus, Rabbi, Savior, Messiah, they're coming to understand who he is, or it is a beautiful promise for who, what the Holy Spirit will be in our lives. And, uh, and so Jesus here says, hey, it is good that I'm going because then the advocate will come, the counselor, the guide, the Holy Spirit will come and will dwell inside all of you. It speaks to the beginning of a new era. Whereas in the Old Testament, we read of the Holy Spirit uh, coming in power upon individuals for particular purposes, uh, Jesus is alluding to the Spirit coming in a whole new way in the world. Mm -hmm. So jump forward in the narrative to Pentecost. And um, the story of Pentecost is found in Acts 2. And Lynn's told the story for us today in our in-person gathering But it's when the Holy Spirit empowers the disciples in a powerful way to share the message of Jesus. I want to read um, the first few verses of of Acts chapter 2 for us. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, the disciples, that is. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And the story continues uh, describing this crowd of people who spoke many different languages from different places, and each of them heard the message of Jesus in their language. So here the Holy Spirit is empowering empowering the disciples to share that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the risen Savior. And the crowd is able to understand them. And I think that's a beautiful, beautiful description um, or example of how the Holy Spirit does miraculous things to advance the kingdom of God. Absolutely. The mission of God, as we've been talking about for weeks and weeks now. So Holy Spirit was present in creation, present even prior to creation, hovering over the waters. Uh, The Holy Spirit was engaged in the lives of people to bring about miraculous, powerful moments in the story of Israel and God's work in the world. Uh, Holy Spirit uh, was involved in Jesus' ministry. He promised that the Holy Spirit would come. 
And at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes in a new way upon not just the apostles, but it was uh, uh, the hearers, mm -hmm. the thousands of people that the Holy Spirit was working in, that they could hear yes. this message. The Holy Spirit is coming in new and remarkable ways. And the first century church, as we continue to read in Scripture, is experiencing incredible things of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And one pivotal passage on the Holy Spirit found in Galatians is uh, the fruits of the Spirit. It, it is this idea of the Holy Spirit is growing, producing in us these sorts of things. And it lists things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. The Holy Spirit is producing these things. And I think it's important as we perceive that the Holy Spirit is working, bringing love and joy and peace and all of these other things, that it's probably easy to hear it in an individual uh, perspective. Um, the Holy Spirit is doing these things in you, doing these spirit things in me. But speaking to the church, the collective, the people of God, God is saying the Holy Spirit is producing in you, plural, peace. In this church, trying desperately to integrate people from such different lives, backgrounds, and worldviews, God says the Holy Spirit is bringing this kind of fruit, peace and joy and patience. The Holy Spirit yeah. is doing these things. Now, this idea uh, of the collective, the Holy Spirit working in the collective people of God is continued in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 4 says there are different kinds of gifts but the same spirit distributes them. Different kinds of spiritual gifts um, given to us by the Holy Spirit could be gifts of healing or encouragement, giving, service. And then in verse seven, it says, now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. And I think that's so significant that we have these spiritual gifts given to us by the Holy Spirit for the common good, for the sake of others, not just for us individually. Mm -hmm. Romans chapter 8 describes our invitation into the life of God in this way. It says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. It's a very simple and yet Profound, beautiful passage, Romans 8. For those that are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Two things really stand out to me. Led by the Spirit. That we are invited uh, to be led by God. That we are not alone in this world. That we are not alone in this mission that God has in this world. No, instead we are led by the Holy Spirit. And secondly, are invited to be children of of God. A beautiful mm -hmm. invitation that we hear echoed over and over in Scripture that God is not a distant God, but a God of relationship, a God who invites us and folds us in His family. Mm. So this has been just a brief overview of the Holy Spirit in the biblical narrative. And, and we want to ask today, so what does this mean for us today? You know, when we put our faith in Jesus, when we come to believe in Jesus and commit to him, we are filled with the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God in our lives. I, I loved your image that you brought up before of, of God holding us in his arms. I, I also think of a similar image of God extending his hand and we as little children are being invited to hold on 
to his hand and to walk with him. And you know, God never forces himself on us. Almighty, all powerful God never uses that to make us follow him. Rather, he is a God of divine love. And so divine love always invites us to walk with him. And so the Holy Spirit is God's presence in our life, teaching us, guiding us, leading us, empowering us, strengthening us, comforting us. I mean, the roles of the Holy Spirit, I can't, I can't list them all. It's, it's multifaceted. vast and it is what is needed that you are invited right. into the life of and the mission of God. Yes. And, and also I think it's important to recognize that there's mystery in the spirit of God, because we're, we're talking about God here. So we can't know all that God mm. is doing. So there's, there's also this, this beautiful element of mystery to walking with God. And so today we are invited to metaphorically reach out and hold that hand and say, yes, God, I want to walk with you. I want to live by the Holy Spirit. And, and we do that when we come to believe, when we pray, when we accept the invitation to surrender to God and to listen and to obey and to follow. And so our invitation today, and by the way, this is an invitation for all of us, us included, is to continually open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit, to invite the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us according to God's desires and God's will for our lives. And so today I want to encourage all of us to spend some time in reflection and prayer this week, asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, work in me. Holy Spirit, yes, work in us as a church, as a people, lead us open our eyes to what you are doing and how you are calling us to join you. Absolutely. Let's pray about that. God, thank you for this day and thank you for this time together. Thank you for an opportunity uh, to consider, to realize that you, uh, your spirit has been involved since the beginning of history, throughout the story of humanity, God, that you have been working and thank you that you have chosen to dwell in us. Your spirit uh, lives in us. Will you be our guide? Will you teach us to follow uh, God? Will you be our counselor and produce in us love and joy and peace and patience in our communities, in our relationships with our families, in our churches? Uh, God, we invite your spirit to work powerfully. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Have a great week.